This is episode number 53 with Andy Puttycomb of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I'm coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. Now it's very, very cold and I'm missing the US summer. And uh, like I said in another episode, I'm just really, really pumped to be back. I'm super energized and I'm just starting to record a whole ton more shows and and. I have so much awesome stuff for you guys. And uh, before we jump into today's show and talk about today's guest, I just wanted to share with you a little piece of wisdom that I took away from the trip. I was lucky enough to actually have uh, lunch with Seth Godin, and uh, it was really cool. He was challenging me on some things, and I was telling him what I'm planning to do with Founder, and he gave me some absolute gold advice that I really have taken away from me that I just wanted to share with you guys, which which was one of my biggest takeaways from catching up and, and the whole trip. And uh, yeah, Seth was challenging me on some things that I he thinks that I should do. And I said, you know what, I don't want to do these things because it would be a nightmare. And he said, well, maybe that's why you should do them. And I said, Seth, when it comes to doing a project what do you choose? Do you choose a project that you will enjoy or do you choose a project that's going to be extremely hard? And he said, I always choose the hard thing. So that's when I knew what I have to do. So now I've come back super re-energized and I'm mapping out now. I'm not that concerned. Like obviously we have our goals for the year, the end of this year, I write down my goals in the gold pyramid. But now I'm starting to think about, you know, what does founder look like three to five years from now? I'm thinking 10x bigger and I've got a lot of exciting things in store for you guys. And yeah, really, really want to make a dent in this publishing world, in this content world, in this entrepreneurial, I guess, scene, this entrepreneurial scene. 
because as you know, I, I like to do things differently, but you know, I really, really want to make a massive impact. And it's not about impacting millions of people. Now it's about tens of millions of people and then hundreds of millions of people. So I'm thinking 10 times bigger. Anyways, guys, enough about me. I know I can ramble on sometimes. Today's guest, Andy Puttycomb, you know, I am an absolute avid fan of his app that he created called Headspace. And this app is an absolute game changer. You know, I've talked about focus before. If I don't meditate, I just do not have the level of focus during the day that I usually have. And I always use Headspace. I cannot recommend it enough. And Andy has a fascinating story about how he started the app, meditation, the benefits, his thoughts and his findings on his entrepreneurial journey, how the app started, his life as a Buddhist monk before he uh, even started the app and all sorts of crazy stuff. So this is an epic interview. I'm really, really excited to bring this one to you. You guys are in for a real treat. And if you are enjoying these episodes, please do leave us a review. It helps more than you can imagine. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, recommendations, or just want to reach out to me, you can reach me at nathan at foundermag.com. Now let's jump into the show. So Andy, can you tell us about how you got your job? (laughs) Yeah, I still don't really know to this day. I think, you know, I have... I guess for compared to a lot of entrepreneurs, I have quite a, an unusual background. Um, that being as a sort of training as a Buddhist monk, and I leaving the monastery about ten years ago, I had a real kind of passion to try and demystify meditation and try and make it more accessible for people. I was very fortunate enough about six years ago to meet my co-founder Rich Pearson, and together we came up with the idea of Headspace which is, as you said just now, is what you're using just before we started talking today. Mm. Yeah, it's a brilliant app. I, I, I've i spoken a lot on in the magazine, on the, on the podcast, about how much I'm a big believer in meditation and the power of it. And I'd like to really delve a lot deeper on your story. So you went to become a monk. What triggered that change to, to go to the monastery? Well, I thought that's what everybody did, Nathan. Is that did you not did you not go to the monastery? No. Um, <laughs> no I um I I was introduced to meditation at, at quite a young age. I went along to classes with my mum when I was about 10, 11 years old. So it was kind of around when I was younger and I, I had an interest in it. But it wasn't really until kind of my early twenties I was doing a degree in sports science in the UK really just contending, having a lot of fun, I hasten to add, but contending with a a very busy mind that was always kind of overthinking, that was easily overwhelmed by emotions and and kind of internally not feeling that satisfied or fulfilled or happy. I didn't feel like the, the academic quest that I was on was really quenching my thirst, you know. And a girl I was going out with at the time was heavily into sort of Buddhism and she used to talk a lot about these Buddhist monks and nuns in the Himalayas and I thought what a brilliant idea I'm going to do that so I I quit university halfway through my degree and I I went off to the to the Himalayas Mm, wow and and what kept you there for 10 years 
Well, I didn't stay in one monastery for, for 10 years. Um, I trained as a lay person at first, both in different monasteries and retreats in different countries. I then trained as a, a novice monk in the Burmese tradition. Um, and then eventually after about five years, I took full ordination in the, the Tibetan tradition. I think what kept me there was a desire to understand my mind. And it was an interesting journey because I think to begin with, when most people come to meditation, it's kind of like, okay, what can I get out of this for myself? Whether it's we want to feel less stress, whether we want to sleep better, maybe mm. it's a phys physical thing, right? We, like, we want to kind of improve our immunity or reduce our blood pressure. Whatever the reason for first kind of coming to it, I think the journey for most people is as they continue with it, there's this growing realization that it's not really about ourselves. Like we live interdependently. Our own happiness depends on the happiness of those around us. So it's, it becomes a kind of a bigger picture. And it's when you sit to meditate, it's, it's not just what can I get out of this for myself, but how am I making this mind more useful for those around me, you know, how am I learning to be a little bit more patient, a bit more tolerant, a bit more kind? Can I really help another person unless I have a sense of calm and clarity in my own mind? So I guess over time, the motivation sort of became steadily, you know, a little bit more kind of altruistic, if you like, and and that eventually led to to Headspace. Mm, yeah, I see, and. How did you meet your business partner and how did the concept come about? Because, you know, when I first was exposed to the app, like the, the user interface, like even the design and just moving around and just, just the way that it's run is very yeah. impressive. So I'm curious. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I, I can take no credit whatsoever for, for <laughs> any, any of it. Um, we have an amazing team and both Rich and I are immensely proud of kind of what they've done and they've put together with the app. Rich and I met, as I say, probably about six years ago and I was at the time running a, a private practice clinic in London, in the city, seeing a lot of business people. In fact, pretty much everybody that came along to the clinic were business people and they were coming along for different reasons. They were either overworked, stressed, anxious, depressed. A lot of people had kind of compulsive, addictive type behavior, personalities, and some were being referred by their doctors, some were simply coming along self-referral. And I, I met one guy who was working with Rich at the time, and, uh, and he said, look, you know, you're doing an amazing thing here, but you're only seeing like one person at a time, and like, you should just meet this guy, Rich, you know, he's really keen to learn meditation, and you know, I think there's a possibility of kind of getting making this a bit kind of broader. So why don't you guys meet? And we met and, and we actually decided to do a skill swap. So Rich would come to the clinic and he'd do, he was totally, by his own admission, he was totally burnt out at the time. He was working in, in Adland, you know, doing everything that comes along with that. Mostly sort of new brand development. And um, yeah, we did the skill swap. He'd come for a, an hour of, of meditation and then we'd, we'd cross the street to a cafe and he'd give me a, an hour of marketing 101. And we kind of started to look at, you know, okay, so what would this look like? And, and a relationship kind of formed very, very quickly where we, we were just both always on the same wavelength. We understood each other. He knew what I wanted to do and he knew how, how to do it. Yeah, and it's been, it's really, you know, Rich is such a, I'm the performing monkey that normally kind of goes, goes out and talks about it, but Rich is such an integral part of, of the success of Headspace. 
Mm, I can see. And when did Headspace launch? Well, we actually launched as a as a company, as a project back in 2010. We launched first as an events company, so we, we didn't go straight away to, to digital. The app was a, a later a later thing. I actually wasn't convinced. Rich wanted to go with the app straight from the off. Yes. I, I wasn't convinced, mostly because I'd only very recently, you know, I'd only fairly recently left the monastery. I'd, I'd only just got my first mobile phone. I'm not sure I even had an email address at the time. So I, I, was, I was playing catch up and I didn't really kind of fully understand how it worked and what the potential was. And I also came from a tradition. It's a, an oral lineage of hundreds of thousands of years where, you know, you don't learn from an app. You learn from a teacher in a room. So it was it was quite a big jump for me to think how we could maintain the authenticity and yet put it on a, a digital platform. So it it took a couple of years of doing events and, and understanding what it was people wanted and how they wanted to use it before we made the the jump to releasing the app in 2012. I see. And can you give the audience a little bit of an insight of the traction that you've had to this day with the app? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, we, as I say, we, we launched the version one in 2012. Uh, version two launched June, July of, of just last year. It was really with the launch of version two, um, which I think we've gained kind of like a, a whole nother level of traction. We're well over a couple of million users now. Engagement rates are very high. We're very fortunate to be in a situation where we have a both a, a free service that we offer, uh, but also a paid-for subscription service. And we know that once people are using it on a regular basis, that they become really engaged users, using it more often than not on a daily basis. And yeah, for us, that's a, that's a really big focus. It's not just about encouraging, sort of demystifying meditation and providing a compelling invitation to practice. It's also about how do we continue to engage people it's like developing any any habit right whether it's going to the gym or brushing you know flossing or like how how, how does it become part of a, a daily sort of consistent sustainable practice because that is when people start to see the benefit mm, yeah and i'd just like to touch on a little bit more about how you've brought headspace together how big is your team I think we've just in the last couple of days passed the the fifty mark. Like we're not, you know, we're not huge, but in the, I would say we've kind of at least doubled in size in the last six months. And I would say we it looks like we'll go from fifty to seventy five in the next three months. So by the middle of Q two, by the latest end of Q two, we'll be we'll be up to seventy five in the team. Wow! And did you ever anticipate that it would get this big? <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of users, honestly, yes, I had no idea what would be involved in in reaching that number of users and how big a team we would need to actually reach that number of users. I think both for both Rich and I at the beginning, we both felt that if we could reach somewhere between kind of ten and a hundred million people, we would feel like that that was meaningful and that we we'd really done something we could feel feel proud of we feel like we we're kind of just getting started and we're on the way yeah look i know what you mean like some sometimes people look at me when i'm doing and and they're like you know you've accomplished so much and for me it's like i'm just getting started because yeah <laughs> well you, you just keep raising the bar right completely and 
you know, our, our mission is, is to improve the health and happiness of the world. And obviously we're doing that one person as a, at a time, but there's no, there's no end to that. Like, you know, there's what, seven and a half billion people in the world. It's not like we're going to get to a point where we're like, oh, okay. So <laughs> everybody's done now. Like, you know, everyone's, yeah. everyone's happy and healthy and there's no more pro. Like, there's not really kind of an, an end point. So I don't think we'll ever kind of feel like the job's done. But I, I do think when we get to a point where people are prioritizing the health of their mind, when they have reappraised what it means to be healthy, not just physically, but mentally as well. And when meditation is a daily activity in the same way that we wake up and we brush our teeth because we're looking after the health of our teeth, when we get up and take 10 minutes to look after the health of our mind on a daily basis, when that becomes part of our culture, of our society, I think we'll feel like we've, you know, we've made a, made a positive impact. Mm, yeah, well, look, I... I... I, I am always telling people how much I love Headspace and, you know, how much meditation's really helped me because as an entrepreneur, you, you thrash really hard and, you know, sometimes it's it's a struggle. You know, you go through ups and downs and and you need to take a break. And, and I've found, yeah, just using the app, just guided meditation to be very, very powerful. Can you give us just some more reasons like why it's important for entrepreneurs if not even just if they don't want to use the headspace app but just to take a break yeah i mean i don't know um about you nathan i i've never met anyone in the world who wouldn't like to feel a bit less stressed who wouldn't like a bit more calm and who wouldn't like a bit more clarity i mean i it's it's universal it's part of the human condition our minds are overactive, they're overstimulated. And there's a tendency, I think, now, like the mind is so overstimulated that we don't even know how to stop. There's almost a fear that, you know, if, if we do stop, what, what's going to happen? And so we keep ourselves busy and we keep ourselves distracted the whole time. Every time we find ourselves in a queue, we whip out the phone. Every time we find ourselves even, you know, if we're at a restaurant and uh, maybe our partner disappears to the restroom and, oh my God, 30 seconds on our own, quickly pull out the phone, like keep ourselves busy. And I feel like we are so in that kind of space right now that there is a real danger that if we don't kind of take action now and learn how to step out of that busy cycle of thought and be comfortable just kind of resting in the here and now, like then not only are we going to get physically unwell, we know, right? Like, you know, this isn't, this isn't news. Science has no doctors have known for a long time that when we get stressed mentally, we experience it physically. So it becomes not just a, you know, a, an uncomfortable feeling, but it also becomes like a physical problem. So whatever our motivation, you know, whether it's something, whether it's for our physical health, whether it's for our emotional well-being, whether it's because we want a less busy mind, whether it's because we want to be even more productive and we want to know how to focus and be clearer in our thinking, in our decision-making, whether it's we want to improve our memory. Like there's really, really solid research behind all of these things and their link with meditation and mindfulness. The thing that excites me both, sort of most, I guess, and it's not the thing that gets everybody excited, but, but for me, it's about relationships. If we don't have a healthy relationship with ourselves internally, if we're always berating ourselves and giving ourselves a hard time, perfectionist, kind of highly critical and judgmental of ourselves, that is inevitably 
our experience of relating to others as well because it's a direct reflection, you know. So unless we train that, it's really hard to have healthy relationships with others. And when you think about what that means in the workplace, startups, collaborative teams, where you're working so closely together, like when everybody is meditating, my experience is that it just it takes the whole thing to another level. Like it's as though you have a new level of understanding with one another where, you know, it's nothing mystical. It's just that everybody is on the same page and it just, it just makes everything so much quicker. Yeah. Look, I, I really like, and you mentioned this also a lot when you, when, when you're in my ear with the guided meditations <laughs> about the relationships with others and to be mindful of that. And yeah. it's something I never really thought about until you started telling me through through Headspace. Yeah. It's really interesting. I'm wondering, do you have any cool customer stories of people that have used the Headspace app and how it's changed their life? I, I'd just be fascinated because, I, because I'm sure you've got some really interesting stories around that. Yeah, it's, it's genuinely hard to kind of to, to choose. We are extremely fortunate to every day to receive letters and emails and tweets and Facebook messages from people who, and it sounds, it can sound so glib and cliche, right? Oh, it's it's changed my life. But really, people write in and say, it's changed my life on on, on a regular basis. And I think some of my favorites, you know, if I think about the the different types of people, I love it when when kids and teenagers write in and say, thank you, Uh, my parents don't shout at me so much anymore since they started (laughs) using Headspace. I, I get excited by sports people so we have a lot of professional athletes who use it um, and we've had kind of professional athletes who we didn't even know who were using it who have gone and won gold medals in the olympic games and only retrospectively written in and said by the way headspace was a massive part of my journey wow. thank you thank you so much you know and really kind of hanging their their hat on on the use of that i think just recently of there was a father kind of wrote in who'd lost his lost his son i really emotionally kind of painful touching story but just seeing kind of for him how meditation had helped him through that process and you know you look at all these different types of stories and you know there are stories from business and as I say kind of sports and relationships and it just shows you like again it's it's a universal need it doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter our culture, our background. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Yes, there is a particular environment to startups and being a founder, but actually the truth is in every environment, in every ecosystem, it has its own stresses and its own challenges. It is the human condition that we kind of all desire peace of mind. We would all like to be happy. It's just that we don't always know how to get to that place. And, and I think meditation and mindfulness just provides a framework. It allows us to let go of so much stuff. And when we let go, we find that actually the place, the thing that we're always looking for is already here. You know, I'm, I'm loving this. Um, I'm curious, can you give us an insight to your day? Like, obviously, you meditate every day and use the Headspace app, or, or you don't, or I'm... Yeah, well, I, I, I de- people always seem a bit surprised that I don't use the app. They're like, what, you don't use your own product? My, my reply is usually, well, it, it would be a little narcissistic to sit there listening to myself on a, on a daily basis. Um, so... So I, I don't use the app, but I, I do. I, I start every day with, with meditation. 
nothing's really kind of changed since. Obviously, I don't do as much meditation as when I was in the monastery, but I, I still start every day with that. And it's a, it's a really important part of the day. I don't actually have like a, a, typical, a typical day. I, I travel a lot, so I go and give, give a lot of talks. It can be anything. It could be, it could be going in talking to a large organization. It could be a sports team. It could be doing a TV interview. It could be going to do some print press. I get invited to some, I'm very fortunate, you know, I get invited to some amazing, some amazing things. And often I'm in the recording studio when I am here in, in Venice, in LA. I, I spend a lot of time in the recording studio producing new content. I have a third book coming up, so I write a lot. At the moment, as we're going through quite a quick rate of, of growth, uh, we're hiring a lot of people, so I'm involved in the, the interviewing process, especially of kind of senior hires. Uh, so it's really, it's really broad, but a lot of it, I would say, is being the, the voice or face of Headspace, for want of a better word, and I say, kind of going out there and, and talking about it. For us, there's... There's the awareness component, kind of educating people about how important meditation is. Then there's kind of getting people excited about actually trying it because that's where the benefit is. And then there's the engagement bit, which is how do we get people to keep doing this once they've started? And, you know, the team, the team sends me out kind of to do all, all of those three things. Mm. And I'm curious, because you are like, you know, so calm and you have have a great sense of, of of your mind and you've trained your mind so well do you ever feel overwhelmed anymore um yeah rarely i would say you know if i to, to be honest um not so often that there, there have been there have been i can think of a number you know maybe two or three times over the last five years where i've just thought like wow this is this is kind of beyond me, you know, like when sometimes the travel schedules and things, now they can be really, really intense and trying to do day-to-day work around that can be, can be challenging, especially as I say, if you've got a, a publisher wanting a, being pretty firm about a book deadline and, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, if journalists are doing longer stories, like they might come and embed themselves for a few days and so you know been shadowed shadowed by a journalist or something like that and yeah it can be and the meetings are back to back it's sometimes that can feel overwhelming but I always remind myself you know it doesn't usually last that long the feeling of being overwhelmed has less to do with what is happening in the moment and more to do with the idea of what we've just done or what we're about to do so it's really only when the mind tends to wonder and it tends to kind of look at the week ahead or the day ahead and think, oh, no, how am I going to cope with all this? Or it tends to look back and think, oh, it's all been so hard and I feel so tired. Like if we allow the mind or if we spend a lot of time going to the past and going to the future, then it feels over- overwhelming. The moment we let go of that stuff and just come back to whatever we're doing right now in this moment, that feeling of being overwhelmed just tends to disappear. Mm. Yeah, no, you really channeled some wisdom there. Because I've always wondered, you know, and I wonder, I wonder how how Andy feels like because he's been doing this for so long. Like, do, is it is yeah. it something that you can achieve? Like, you hardly ever feel stressed out, overwhelmed. You know, it it is it is it is hard. 
It it is, and I, you know, I I wouldn't. Um, I would definitely not want to suggest like it's. I don't find it difficult because you know it it is. I, I would say to anyone starting up, but you don't. You know, no one needs me to say this. This is this isn't news. Like start start starting your own business is exceptionally hard. Growing it is is equally hard. There's just different different problems than than there are at the beginning, and. Yeah, it's a it's a really really challenging thing, but I do think like there's meditation provides like a, a consistency like throughout that journey. It's like all this stuff is happening, but there's, there's just this I don't know like level headedness or sense of balance, whatever you want to call it, which just seems to kind of allow you to have a peace of mind or a sense of ease while all that craziness is going on around you. So it's like being in the madness, but not part of the madness. Yeah, because to be honest, it's funny when you when you when we jumped on the call, you said it's it's a little bit like when people start meditation, it's like they're taking something away from it. And I still, to be honest, think I'm at that stage where I feel better from meditating. It's like it's kind of like a drug where yeah. I'm just taking and it, and it just and I'm just like wow, I feel great, and then. I, I just that, <laughs> I used to deal with with things, you know. But that's a really good thing as well. So I, so I think, as I say, I, th- I think the motivation does change, but that mm. doesn't mean that we don't still get the benefit from it ourselves. In fact, funnily enough, like this is this is like it's a technicality, but it's a really important one. Even within the meditation technique itself, when we're after something for ourselves, the mind tends to kind of grasp. And in grasping, it tends to become a bit tighter. Like it doesn't necessarily feel that soft and open and relaxed. When we sit down and think, okay, well, this isn't really about me. Like, you know, we all have a tough time in life. This is just simply about being present in this space right now Uh, with an idea that it might benefit others as well. All of a sudden, the mind kind of opens. It starts to feel a lot softer. It's a lot more malleable. Uh, it feels a lot more relaxed. So even from a technical point of view, when we bring that attitude to to the meditation, we tend to feel even more relaxed and we enjoy the experience even more than we might do if we only came to it for ourselves, let's say. Yeah, I see. Okay, look, I've been a bit selfish with this interview. I've just asked questions that I'm, I'm interested in. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the audience would probably like to know around your journey and building headspace you know you've got a great product you've got an amazing mission but what what has been you know what have you had to sacrifice to get where you are today what are some lessons some entrepreneurial lessons that our audience can learn from you and your business partner rich yeah well they they could probably learn a lot more from rich in fairness Um, (laughs) but um for what is worth my own kind of learning and experience I remember someone saying kind of to to start a business and to grow a business, make no mistake about it, it's hard graph. Mm. You know, it, it's hard and I I remember hearing that and thinking, Yeah, but you know, you hear these stories of people kind of doing it the easy way and everything just seems to kind of happen and but you never really see what goes on behind that. No. And my experience is like never has truer word been spoken. It is hard graph and i would say for even for the four years before i i met rich for a couple of years before i met rich i was getting up at four o'clock every morning and i was writing content from four o'clock till two o'clock in the afternoon 
every single day and mm. then I'd go off and kind of do do some work stuff once I met Rich the only time I could kind of build up the content like was outside of working hours because during working hours we were working <laughs> so so again I, I would spend I would be up every morning kind of doing it before going to work I'd be at home every evening doing it before going to bed and I care about it. I'm passionate about it. I have an incredibly understanding uh, now wife, then girlfriend, fiance. But it requires like absolute commitment. Like to think that we could get away with it any other way. It doesn't mean we can't do it mindfully. And I, I, I'm not recommending or suggesting that people should kind of burn themselves out. Because I do think there's a way of working where we can work, you know, long hours and, and work quite hard but without kind of taxing the body and the mind too too heavily. But it, it requires a huge amount of time and effort. And again, to think that it could be any other way, I think, is to set ourselves up for, <laughs> for disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. And that's, and that's one of the reasons I do these interviews and, and I started the magazine because I want to see behind the scenes. So, you know, one thing I'm dying to ask you is you believe that you can work extremely long hours and not tax the yeah. body and the mind. Can you just give us a quick insight to that and then we'll work towards wrapping up? Yeah, so I, I think most of us come from a, a culture, a background where we think if we want to get something big done or something difficult done, like the harder we try, the more we're going to get out of it. Meditation takes a slightly different approach than that. When we try really hard, there's an element of kind of force and will, you know, which is very tiring. It's tiring for, for the mind. The mind tends to overthink. Uh, it tends to produce a lot of um, harmful chemicals in the body. It tends to really drive our, our cortisol levels very high, our adrenaline levels very high. The body, as a result, feels tired, exhausted, and we get run down. If we can find a way of working where, okay, there's an intention and there's a goal, whether that's the goal for the day, the week, the month, or for the entire mission, doesn't really matter. But there's a goal and there's intention and we're working towards that. But rather than like trying with all our kind of will to get to that place, if we're simply focused on doing our very best at what we're doing in each and every moment, then there's no real kind of wasted effort. So it's like we become extremely highly efficient and productive. There's no wastage. Everything that we do is very intentional. There's no, yeah, as I say, there's no kind of wasted energy, which means as a result, the mind is less body. Uh, sorry, the, the mind is less busy, the the body is less kind of taxed, and therefore we can we can do more for a longer period of time. Hmm, I see. That is really interesting. Okay. A couple of last questions. One around growth. I'm sure people are fascinated. Like, you know, you've got an epic product and you've, you've mm. got an epic mission, but <laughs> Is there any tactics, strategies, marketing strategies that you know you and Rich have implemented that uh, have been game changers that might be of value to our audience? Yeah, I'd love to think that we were that organised. You know, uh, <laughs> we know we. Do you know what the, our our number one strategy has been to put the user first? And um, there are different ways of coming at um, startups. I guess for some people, it, it is a financial kind of proposition. And it's, it's how to make as much money as quickly as possible. For us, it's a very different starting place. And it's, we believe that if we offer the very best possible product and service, that we will be successful commercially. 
So our focus is on the user and on the product and on the service. And if we are good at that, then, you know, the, the other bit kind of comes as an afterthought. So obviously we have to be commercially successful to be sustainable as, as a mission. But I do think there's a difference in how, you know, where the intention and motivation kind of goes. So for us, it's about that. And part of that has been listening to user feedback and experience. So for example, we launched V1, uh, version one, let's say early 2012. It was really a beta product. We put it out there. We, it was put together like on a shoestring, like 50, 50K, I think, US mm. for everything. The app, the animations, the illustrations, the production, the content, the website, the whole thing oh, for, wow. 50, for 50K on version one. And then we spent a year just listening to feedback from people, what they liked, what they didn't like. And as we started to gain greater traction, as we had a lot more kind of resource and, and funds to, to use, we started to become very strategic in our thinking about how we could design a product which offered everything that people were asking for and that they wanted. And really, as I say, kind of that switch from V1 to V2, where we finally got to a point where we launched something that was very close to what we originally intended and wanted to do. That was, that was the moment, I think, where we felt that we were really, I don't know, fulfilling sort of the, the mission that we'd set out, set out on. Mm, you hit critical mass in a sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it was, it was organic and it was by listening to what the user wants rather than what we, what we thought the user would want. It was actually asking the community, you know, what do you want? And us finding skillful ways of making that a functional proposition. Mm, I see. Okay, last question, and I'm sure the audience would love this. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm really excited about this. Part. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I, I'm excited. For anyone that wants to get started on meditation, besides yeah. you know going and downloading the Headspace app, can you give us like a thirty second to a minute guided meditation? Just show people how good it is, and you know, have sharing their earbuds with you. <laughs> well, thirty seconds is uh, is short, but if you got thirty seconds, I'd be I'd be happy to. Awesome, let's so, do it. Okay, so wherever you are, no matter what you're doing, just take a moment to to sit up straight. Uncross your arms and your legs. And if you can, just sit kind of upright with your feet flat on the floor and the arms and hands just resting on your legs. And just take a big deep breath, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And as you breathe out through the mouth, just gently close the eyes. And in closing the eyes, just notice how the body feels. Notice how the breath feels in the body. Maybe notice the sounds around you. And if we had a little bit more time, I'd suggest you kind of, you know, sat there even for like another minute or so and simply being present with the physical sensations, the sounds, the smells, the environment, the space around you. When you do that consistently, when you step out of the thinking mind and instead turn the attention to the physical sensations in the body, something really special starts to happen and, and we get less stressed, less anxious, 
and we feel kind of happier and healthier as a result. That was awesome. That that was really, really powerful, Andy. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.